0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another cloudy day here in the capital city as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. My name is Scott Challoner, your host, and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Andrew Turner. Andrew is a director at Carrick Chartered Financial Planners based in Newquay, Cornwall. Andrew, very warm welcome to you and thanks ever so much for taking the time to join us this morning. You're welcome. It's a real pleasure, Andrew. Now, um, the purpose of this discussion is to really establish your take on leadership as a whole. And I think it's fair to say that leadership is something that's really been put to the test at the moment, isn't it, with the emergence of COVID-19, no less, and different business leaders having to feel their way through this crisis. Of course, we will get on to more detail on that later. But first and foremost, if we just look at the word leader in isolation for a second, Andrew, what does that word actually mean to you and how does it resonate?
1: Well, Scott, that's a a very good question. Uh, From my experience, I would say that uh, specifically through this recent crisis, it's the person that everybody looks to for direction uh, when there's uncertainty.
0: And if we were to talk about maybe your leadership style in the context of Carrick as a business, how would you sort of describe your way of leading?
1: Well, um, as so many business uh, people Uh, find themselves uh, in a situation where they they have a degree of success at their core uh, function. Uh, And somehow that develops into being uh, the owner or a director, in in my case, uh, of a financial services company. Um, It's not necessarily the case that just because you're good at the day job that the leadership skills required are are, uh, automatically in in place. And so I would say that... um, uh, Looking at the way uh, my company has uh, needed to be steered, it's using a balance of that experience, uh, mm. knowledge of the industry, uh, together with uh, integrating the, the staff, their function, uh, and trying to marry it together to keep uh, to keep the business on an even keel. Uh, and I suppose that's the same for all businesses, um, but uh, you have to concentrate uh, to make sure that the business is being run alongside your your, if you like, the day job as well.
0: And you talk about, of course, the value of experience there in being able to steer a business. Do you think that practical experience of actually going out there, trying things and learning from mistakes is one of the biggest teachers when it comes to being an effective leader within the business world?
1: Absolutely. Um, you, you draw on, uh, on years of experience uh, and Uh, trying to improve the areas of your business, uh, which uh, maybe in the past you have struggled with. Uh, That said, uh, neglecting the areas, uh, uh, more successful areas of the business is a mistake also. So it's a real balancing act. Uh, the, The spinning of the plates analogy
0: comes to mind. And talking of balancing acts, it brings me very nicely on to the next uh, thing I was going to uh, discuss, Andrew, which is essentially leadership in the context of the current situation, COVID-19. And that has come under immense scrutiny, particularly at the uh, the government level, Um, because there are quite a lot of people saying, um, as you know, that um, the UK lockdown maybe came a little bit too late. Of course, that was triggered on uh, the 23rd of March. And if we look at, say, maybe the Italian government, um, on the other hand, their lockdown started um, as early as the 9th of March. So a big little bit of a time difference there. And although we did have procedures in place, I think it's fair to say that there was a little bit more of a laissez-faire attitude within the UK government at first of just wait and see what happens and then take action from that point. So if we just sort of take that idea of immediate proactivity on one hand and then a little bit of sort of wait and see, then decide on what we're going to do. As a leader within a business, do you tend to take that dive straight in approach when difficulties arise in an everyday context, or do you let things play out a bit and then take action from that point?
1: You do have to consider uh, the uh, situation carefully before you act. Mm. That said, when you do act, you have to be decisive and make sure that your actions add value. It's interesting that you comment uh, about the the debate uh, regarding the timing of the lockdown. Of course, from a business, uh, my business perspective, uh, you can only um, uh, act on the situation as it uh, arises. Mm. And so uh, when the lockdown did eventually uh, come, uh, uh, it was obvious we had to work very swiftly uh, to enable our business to continue uh, and uh, help our clients uh, with the function that uh, we we do.
0: And um, has it been a challenge being able to sort of demonstrate leadership of a business from a distance? Because what we have lost during this time is that common working space that maybe we took for granted before. But there has been a lot of um, talk during this crisis that it has even brought us closer together, even though we're all working apart at this point. And would you say that you've found that and you've sort of adapted to this quite well within Carrick?
1: Well, um, I would I would say I would agree with those comments that you just made, Scott. I think uh, I, my experience says that we have, we have come together as a business, uh, surprisingly, more than I would have expected. Uh, at, at the outset, uh, in March, um, I can remember the, the, the meeting that we had uh, with my team. Um, and somebody explained to me, and I developed the, the idea that this was going to be a three-stage um, uh, project. And the first stage was organising ourselves to, to allow con, continued working with, with the staff at home and we had to make sure that the staff had the relevant equipment and the software uh, and any training that was required and, and, and then we, we've been through the stage two or phase two, operating the business, giving continual comfort to our clients um, at the same time uh, being very cognizant uh, of the uh, uh, um, situation uh, learning all we can to update the clients with initiatives from the government, which I have to say, I, I think it's, have been quite excellent, uh, furlough, grants, etc but passing that information on in the context of error function. And then, of course, we'll come uh, on to uh, phase uh, three, uh, which is uh, reintegration. Um, and all three through these, uh, and that is uh, something we'll talk about later in our day, But all all three uh, of these phases or stages have required uh, thought um, and cooperation from from the staff. And modern technology has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, All the different uh, um, applications that you can use to speak with your staff, to speak with your clients. Uh, We are quite blessed, really, that uh, if ever there was going to be a situation like this, it would happen there with this technology. I think we would have struggled a few years ago. Uh, But it is quite uh, um, interesting. Uh, that uh, not only have we managed to use this technology uh, successfully, but I think it will have a a long-lasting effect on our business practices in the
0: future. Mm, And you certainly did uh, mention um, in the Parliamentary Review, of course, Indispensable Guide to uh, Best Practice, that the advice um, of the future within the industry is going to evolve anyway through technological advancement. And I think, in a way, what this crisis has done is almost accelerate that, isn't it? Because it's forced the hand of businesses to modernise and to innovate for the future.
1: Yes, that's very true, Scott. On, on many levels, uh, we have seen uh, innovation uh, through um, the uh, the large uh, companies that we deal with. Uh, some of them uh, have been resistant to, uh, shall we say, move with the times, and they, they have moved very swiftly with the times to enable uh, continued uh, uh, business. Um, and uh, as I I mentioned a moment ago, it certainly has a profound effect on our attitude towards the likely shape of business transaction
0: in the future. And thinking about the uh, the future for a second, um, if we sort of were to address somebody right now who is maybe about to start their first day in a leadership role, particularly within a business within your industry, based upon your many years' experience in uh, the sector and also of managing this crisis, what sort of advice, Andrew, would you have to give them?
1: Oh, that's a a very interesting question. Um, Well, if it's the first day in leadership, I would say just uh, sit down and imagine what you would like uh, to receive from your management team uh, if you were in the team that you're managing. Uh, And so um, to that end, uh, try and imagine the impact that your decisions are going to uh, have on your end user, the client, uh, and even more importantly, uh, how the uh, operatives, the clerk, your your staff, will be able to uh, uh, use your advice and direction effectively. Uh, it seems rather convoluted, but it, the mistake sometimes we all make is to assume that the people that we are, um, are directing have the same knowledge, attitude, and indeed passion for success um, that the as we did uh, and when i say success i'm not talking monetary terms i'm talking about a successful outcome mm. uh, and so i think that that would be my advice uh, to a, a new leader is just try and ensure that the advice that you give is actually helping uh, the situation and not creating um, additional barriers and worries for your
0: staff I think the key thing when looking to bring people on board is to look at some some of the innate qualities that are there, such as that self-motivation and that drive, but also acknowledge that skills are things that are learned. I mean, we're not just born good at what we do. We may have an aptitude for certain things, but we do have to also go on that journey of development and learn, as we've already discussed today.
1: Yes, I've, I've, I've always been a big advocate of the type of motivation that you apply uh, to uh, any role um of course an intrinsic motivation the joy of doing something would be um always gives us the most success our hobbies uh, gives us joy um and then there's the extrinsic motivation the 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 the, uh, the outcome be, uh monetary and if we can infuse those two motivations you 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 uh you travel along a continuum so that you you have a passion for what you do and you you don't need to worry about the outcome it will it will just follow uh, just chase success uh, and uh, everything else will will, will will come along. Make sure that you are doing uh, your your day job with as much passion and enthusiasm uh, as you would any other task.
0: And if we think about the, uh, the long-term future now, Andrew, before we do wrap things up on the, uh, the programme today, what do you envision over the next year for yourself, for Carrick Chartered Financial Planners and for the wider financial services industry? And what do you really hope to achieve as we move through the COVID-19 pandemic, hopefully emerge from the other side and really begin to look to the long-term future?
1: From a Carrick Chartered Financial Planners perspective, I think uh, a continual development and integration with technology uh, will automatically ensue. The clients uh, have taken to it. They like it. But, uh, we, we have found it's uh, much more efficient. We can get more done for clients. Um, at the same time, uh, we we are um, aware that some integration back to office working will be required. Uh, not all clients um, will be comfortable uh, for the very long term, without seeing people face to face, although that's not possible at the moment, and we also have to consider the safety in the short term for the staff uh, regarding their comfort. And so, we're uh, expanding a little bit of um, resource on making adapting the office, these screens and uh, and the like uh, for when we return. For the medium term, I think uh, financial services will hopefully have come out of this generally uh, in a very good light. Um, my colleagues uh, and my observations of the industry uh, uh, are that um, that continual uh, education, contact, reassurance and action uh, seem to have reinforced the relationships uh, with clients. And so I, I, I'm optimistic for the, uh, the outcome regarding our own industry, although I'm obviously aware uh, of the impending impact of the uh, pandemic and what it may mean for our overall economy.
0: Exactly right. Um, there is going to be um, an economic uh, downturn for certain, but also um, a, quite a swift sort of year longer uh, recovery, all going according to plan. Of course, there are variables in that, whether we have a second wave or not. But I think once we start to understand exactly what sort of shape the next year is taking, Andrew, it would be great at one point, given how informative it's been today, to actually have you back on the programme and just see at what stage the economy and indeed the wider industry is at at that point.
1: Yes, I would be delighted to join you again, Scott.
0: I think that would be fantastic, Andrew. It's been a real pleasure having you on the, uh, the programme this morning, and it's a shame we don't have more time because we could discuss it pretty much all day, I'm sure. Um, but I have to say, it's been really, really enjoyed uh, this uh, discussion. It's been thoroughly insightful. And most importantly, um, until we do touch base again, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on because, of course, we're very much not out of the woods yet with this. Well,
1: thank you very much, Scott.
0: That was Andrew Turner speaking, director at Carrick Chartered Financial Planners. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Sir Andrew Strauss, a former England cricket skipper. Sir Andrew is now the director of cricket for the England and Wales Cricket Board. During his days as a player, he became one of only three England captains to have secured the ashes, both at home and away in Australia, joining a very illustrious club. And he became the England skipper with the second highest number of test victories under his belt in history history. Quite incredible achievements. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Andrew himself and that is coming up next.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White and today we are joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB. Sir Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Real pleasure to be here. Thank you. The
2: pleasure is all of ours. You know, have you finally forgiven Marcus Dresscothic for giving you that stupid Lord Brockett nickname?
3: <laughs> um, well, my recollection was that it wasn't Marcus Dresscothic who gave me that nickname. Oh. It was actually Mark Butcher. Uh, He's but to blame. I think there were a lot of people. It was the senior England teams at the mo- mm. at that time who wanted to sort of put me in my place They they'll know your heart's in the right place and they uh they'll feel comforted. There'll be a degree of sort of psychological safety or some or whatever it might you might term to to make sure that the, the team comes together when the going gets tough. If they genuinely don't believe you care about them and you're in it for yourself, um it doesn't matter how charismatic you might be, it doesn't matter, you know, how gregarious and, and how um And then the foundation is directly benefited hugely by the the funds raised. And um, we want to take it up a gear this year and, and make it more of a community thing, not just the, the day at Lord's. Um, I even saw some of
2: the stuffiest members of the MCC, Andrew, wearing, re- uh, wearing red. So it w- w- what an extraordinary yeah, thing. Well, a lot um, of them <laughs> wear red trousers <laughs> anyway, no, I think.
3: But um, <laughs> no, it, absolutely. No, they, they were right behind us. And, um, you know, we, we really want that to be something that's embedded in